Well, I got to tell you, I'm happy to be together as the Christ Journey family, as we regather on our physical campuses, also as we gather some of us through digital means in your personal space, and we're asking God's grace to surround us in whatever space we find ourselves to, together today. So, would you help me begin by taking a deep breath and then repeat after me, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So whether you are in one of our physical spaces at Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, or your own personal space in your home or your dorm or wherever you're connecting with us, we are inviting the God of space to make His grace known as we share this time together. Fidgetally, you know, physical space, digital space, digital church, but one God in the same time. So let's invite God's grace to meet us in wherever, whatever space you're in. And I'm also excited to welcome our kids that are joining, moms and dads and grown-ups in our campuses as well. Um, I would love to ask you, if, if you have a piece of paper and a pen, to, I would like you to uh, draw pictures of what I'm talking about. I'm going to tell some stories from Jesus today, and it would interest me to have pictures from you if you want to put them to art and then allow me the opportunity. I had somebody give me one from the earlier experience today. I would love to have them, be able to share them with others. If you'd like to participate in that, I would certainly like to experience your artwork, just like we experienced a little bit earlier, some musical art from one of our campuses. Well, if you want to help us out on the, the, uh, the visual art, as I'm telling the stories, I would love to hear that. Um, and, you know, grown-up kids, if you want to draw pictures, that's okay with me too. I would love to know, what are you seeing from what we are saying together? I guess we all have experiences where we have either felt lost or felt like we've lost something that has value to us. You know, this happens all the time at our house. Uh, have you seen my sunglasses? Where are my keys? You know, what's the other one? Where's my phone? You got my phone, right? And only like these days, it's also, you get out of your house, I'm on my way into a store, and then I realize, wait, I don't have a mask. And so, you know, we all know about losing something or of being lost. For me, uh, by the way, if you're joining us online, you want to drop something that you've lost or felt lost in, then just drop it in the chat. Or if you're joining us in a physical space, you just want to lean over to somebody and say, oh yeah, this is what I always lose. Or you remember that time when I lost that? Then um, we're, we want to keep this interactive as we can. Remember the good old days when we used to attend church? And then, you know what happened? When you attended church, you would leave your keys, or you'd leave your phone, or you'd leave your purse, and then you'd get to your car, and you'd realize, oh, no. And, but what has already happened is that the guest services team at our campuses have already gone through the space where you were and have already retrieved your valuables, and they are waiting at the lost and found because they're ready to help reunite you with your precious lost item. By the way, thanks to all the guest services team and the host teams that are volunteering so that we can get back in this space together. But here's the thing, you know, then you would get to the lost and found and oh, you'd just be so happy because I thought I'd lost it and now, oh, there it is and I'm so relieved. Um, that which was lost is found. 
So just drop something in the chat. If you think of a time when you lost something or when somebody was lost to you and you want to help us experience what you're remembering together, just do it right now. For one of the times for me when, was when we first moved to Miami. And I mean, lo, those um, long ago and from a, dis- a galaxy far away, long before cell phones and GPS uh, direction giving guides. And there was this place that I wanted Lisa and I to go eat. And we were in two different vehicles. So I said, she's driving behind me. And I said, oh, I'll just follow me. And so off we go. And we're driving, driving, driving. And I'm down this road that I just knew was the right road to where we wanted to go. Except we just kept driving for blocks and blocks and stuff started looking less and less familiar to me. And finally it was like, okay, I got to pull over. I got to tell Lisa. So we pull over and guess what? She already knows. You know what? I may remember her saying something like this. Are you lost? And I may remember saying something like this. Do you know how hard it is for somebody with the gift of leadership to not be able to use it? Guys, please note how I skillfully avoid the use of the word lost. Because, you know, some of us just don't like to admit <laughs> that we may not know where we are or where we're going. No, I know, I know where I am, sort of. And I know where I want to be, but I'm not there. That's what we're talking about. And for some of us, admitting that we are lost is a near impossible thing to do. Like Daniel Boone. Kids, you remember Daniel Boone? There's a picture to draw. Daniel Boone from early Americana, before there were roads. And he was a trailblazer and a frontiersman. And he was asked one time, somebody asked him, you ever been lost in the woods? And Boone said, no, but I've been bewildered for days. (laughs) We don't like to admit it when we don't know where we are or we're not where we know we really want to be. But that doesn't mean that we don't know what it feels like. So maybe it's a little bit easier to admit when we've lost something that matters to us. Um, One of those times also happened for me and Lisa that I would drop in the chat if I were joining that conversation today. Uh, We were at Disney early on. I mean, this is like way back when they used to call the Tower of Terror, the Tower of Terror. Now it's called something else. But you know, that was the elevator shaft where the, the elevator is falling and then you kind of being lost and locked down in the shaft. And I had purchased for her this beautiful pair of diamond stud earrings. And somewhere in the shakedown on that shaft, one of those diamonds comes loose and uh, drops through the shaft, through the crack, and somewhere down there, it was not the happiest place on earth for us that particular day, as I'm remembering something that was lost. And now whenever we get close to it, you know what we always say, I wonder if anybody ever found that diamond that is at the bottom of the shaft in what they used to call the Tower of Terror. Because things that are precious, that have value, can get lost. The scariest time for me, though, if, you know, if we were sitting in it, oh, it's the scariest time you lost something. Okay, Lisa and I, We're with a church group in Santa Fe, New Mexico, 
maybe about 12 of us together in this van, and we'd been downtown in Santa Fe, and you know how you just kind of travel as a pack, and everybody's together. There's grown-ups, and there's kids of all ages, and you're just kind of making your way out of downtown, back to where we had parked the van, but there was a store along the way, and so we go into the store en masse, you know, and people kind of mull around and do a little shopping, and then everybody leaves and keep on going, and about two big blocks down the road after we had gone, I'm looking around, and I don't see my youngest daughter. And Lisa thought she was with me, and I thought Lisa had her. And, of course, Corey was with all of her friends. And we thought, well, Jess is probably with her friends. But everybody was there and safe and accounted for, except our youngest daughter, Jess, who was maybe five or six at the time. I mean, and I'm, I was already on the move in a shorter order than it, tell, than it takes me to tell you the story. But I was, I was, I mean, I was fighting back these, these uh, thoughts of fear that were coming over the, of the worst in my mind. You know, it's like a tourist town. People are there from all over the world. Um, this is my little girl, and she's all alone, and it only takes a moment to change a lifetime. You know how parents think like this sometimes. So I am just racing back to the store, and I burst through the doors of that store and I see my little Jessica standing by a lady at the clerk's counter and the the tall lady next to her says are you Mr. White I said yes and Jess is running to me and I'm running to her and then she's hugging me tighter than a tick on a dog I'm telling you but we just held each other for a while don't you miss hugs in this season But there was a hug that just said, I got you, you got me, we're here for each other. And I thanked the lady, and then I apologized to Jess, and then she apologized to me, and she started explaining through her tears that she was just walking by the candy counter, and then she saw all these candies and all the different colors, and just, you know, she had gotten distracted, not realizing, and she had been looking at all of the candies, not realizing that all of us had already left the store. And then when she looked up, none of our group was there. And she was all alone and scared. And then how wonderful it felt for me to come through the door. And I'm telling her, not as near as wonderful it felt for me to come through the door. (laughs) And then to see her and to be reunited. Did you know the Bible has a lost and found department for people? Where Jesus tells some of the stories that we just love the most. Stories uh, about things that were lost, and then they're found. Luke chapter 15 tells about a wandering sheep, tells about a, a precious treasure, a treasured coin, and then about a young man that we know as the prodigal son. And so today, you know, we're going to start unpacking these stories over the next few weeks as we conclude the series of Enter In. By the way, you know, we're entering into his gates with thanksgiving and we're coming to his courts with praise. And today we're being invited to enter in, to come home to God's love. And today the question is this, how far is far from God? And Jesus tells these stories to answer a few very significant questions for us, and one of them is that people can be far from God. 
How far is far from God? We can get lost to the sense of his presence, to the sense of blessing in his life. And he tells us, you know, here's how you can do it. You can get lost like a sheep wandering away from a shepherd. You can get lost like a a coin that's precious and displaced. And you can get lost like a child. And then, of course, you can get found. And here's how Jesus told the story. Suppose one of us has a hundred sheep. A hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and then go after the lost sheep until he finds it? There's the lost sheep. So there's one picture, kids. And then verse 8. Or suppose a woman. A woman has 10 silver coins and loses one of them. She doesn't say, well, I've got nine more. No, she lights the lamp, she sweeps her house, and she searches carefully until she finds it. It's a lost coin. More about that in a minute. And then verse 11, Jesus says, there was a man who had two sons. The youngest one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divides his estate between his two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and then he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything he had, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to some of his fields to feed pigs. You know, this is a Jewish boy. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. No one. No one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. The lost son. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Things that get lost in this life. And one of the questions the stories answer is, how does this happen? How do people get lost in this way? How do people, how do people like us, smart people, gifted people, impassioned people, how do we get lost in life? How do we find ourselves lost? And there are at least three answers that are right here for us. The first one is that sometimes people get lost, we get lost like sheep get lost. I mean, I've read that sheep really have no sense of direction that they have no internal compass to kind of guide them, you know. They're essentially geographical morons. They just don't get it. You, a dog is away from home. A dog can find his own way back home. Not, a sheep, not so much. A sheep, unless there are other sheep, they don't know where they're going. They're aim, they tend to be aimless on their own. And sometimes people are lost in the same way. Sometimes we get lost in the same way. We have no aim, we have no goal, we have no purpose in life, we have no sense of direction from within or without. It's like, man, we're a pinball in a machine that's just kind of getting bounced from situation to challenge to whatever comes next. It's just one thing after another, right? But there's no goal, there's no aim. And for a sheep, there's no aim except to follow one's appetite. Sheep are lost because they are aimless and then tend to just follow their appetites. They can munch their way from pasture to clump of grass 
to edge of the cliff and not even realize the danger that they're in. How, they, don't, they don't pick their head up to even realize how far they've gone from the shepherd, how far they've gone from the flock, how close they are to life-threatening danger. You know, this is a, a pastor's thought here, but we've been separated from each other for a while, and the flock hasn't been able to gather except online, and that's so weird and so different, and it's, we're staying connected, but there's something about physically regathering in each other's presence that gives us a lift. And, and I'm, I'm not, I've even heard people say this, you know, I didn't realize, I thought I didn't need this. I, I didn't realize how much I missed this until I came back into it. And we realize that we need to travel at our own pace here, but, but I want to encourage everybody, let's seek to regather and stay close to the flock as we stay close to the shepherd. Because sometimes sheep can kind of wander off and, and not even realize how far we've gone. In the most popular psalm that David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, he said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, a rod is a short weapon that a shepherd would use in close contact to beat away predators from the sheep. I mean, he just clubbed them when they got within range. The crook, the, the staff, is that, you know, little bull peep thing that has a big hook, a long bar, and it has a hook at the end. Because then the shepherd, if a sheep gets too close to the cliff, the shepherd can just hook it around their neck and just drag them back into a safer place. Because the sheep's like clueless, right? Doesn't realize the danger he's in. But that's what the rod and the staff are protections that a shepherd offers against external threats and internal threats. Sometimes a sheep can be its own worst enemy. And the shepherd is there to help save a sheep from external and save a sheep from itself. Why would a sheep need to be saved from itself? Because appetite can lead a sheep astray. And the same thing can happen to people. You ever been led astray by your hunger, by a desire? Just that day in the store, got distracted by the wrapping, and then she likes candy, and the next thing you know, she's absorbed in the candy, and everybody that was with her is now gone, and she's at risk. Human beings can be misled by our appetites as well. There's a Japanese proverb, and then find ourselves in trouble. There's a Japanese proverb that says, first the man takes a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes the man because the appetite has become a trap before the sheep knows it. A hunger has become a trap. It happens to people. It happens to, pe it happens to people with alcohol. It happens with drugs. It happens with illicit sex. It happens with pornography. It happens with gambling, but not only with vice. You know what else? Sometimes we lose ourselves in hunger for recognition, for position, for possessions, for pleasure, for power, for popularity. And then before we know it, we are at risk and we've taken the bait of some shiny thing that we think we want and don't even realize that we're finding ourselves lost or losing something that really matters to us. Like what? Like your health, like your family, like your marriage, like your reputation, like your hope of a better future. 
So sometimes we're not as smart as we think we are. I think that's what Jesus is trying to help. And we wind up on dead-end streets going, how did I get here? And like a lost sheep, vulnerable to predators, but we may not even realize it. Did any of that sound familiar? Are you lost like a sheep? Or maybe if it's not you, maybe you know somebody and you're thinking, oh, wait, yeah, but they don't get it. They don't see it. But I think this is happening to them. So kids, there's the first picture, like a sheep and a shepherd, and there's Daniel Boone, and there's lots of stuff you could fill in there. Okay, next story, lost coin, lost coin. Um, Palestinian women received 10 silver coins as a typical wedding gift. I've got a visitor up here from Beelzebub, looks like. Um, you know, that's the biblical word for Lord of the Flies, what Jesus called the devil. We don't, we don't need to give him any more time than just swat him away. So let's not be intimidated or distracted by that. But I'll tell you, Palestinian women received 10 silver coins as a typical wedding gift. Now, each coin was worth about one day's wage. So 10 coins would equal about two weeks' worth of wage, full, full wages. But the value wasn't simply financial. The value was sentimental. The coins were attached to the most precious relationship of a woman's life, her marriage. And so this would be like losing your wedding ring and your engagement ring and all the diamonds in that setting, but not only losing them, you, it's irreplaceable. You remember when you received it. You remember when it was given to you. You remember everything that it means. And so when Jesus is telling this story, I'm thinking the women hearing it that day would have totally understood this lady turning her house upside down, inside out, every light on, and sweeping it carefully in search of this lost treasure. Now, how does a coin get lost, though? Think about that for a second. What does it mean to be lost like a coin? It means being taken out of circulation. It means being removed from the context where its value and its worth are experienced and appreciated, treasured. Sometimes people feel lost like that. We feel lost like a like we've been taken out of circulation, like we, we are worthless, <laughs> we're useless, we're overlooked, we've been cast aside or brushed off. How would a coin get lost? Well, one of these treasures, she could have been cleaning her own house and inadvertently, accidentally, that dust cloth hit that loose setting and bam, there it goes, rolling off the dresser down into the floor, through a crack in the floor and in a hole and out of mind, out of sight, out of mind. It can happen inadvertently or carelessly. Sometimes people inadvertently or carelessly leave other people that matter out. Sometimes it happens accidentally. Sometimes it happens on purpose. People are cruel and they can be dismiss other people and brush them off, you know, without a second thought on purpose. Sometimes it's intentional, but, and sometimes it, it feels like you've been neglected. You've been cast aside. Sometimes circumstances can do this. They can T-bone you and sideline you, and, and you're wondering, how, wh where am I? What am I doing? There's a layoff. There's a cutback. There's a, a right-sizing. There's a furlough. You lose your job. You lose your spouse. You lose to death or divorce. Circumstances just throw you into a loop and 
you feel lost to your sense of value, to your sense of worth. The setting has changed and And you're disconnected. All oh, those good old days when we were useful, but now those good old days are gone. A sheep is lost as aimless. A coin is lost as useless. Useless, feeling worthless. We feel like we've lost our setting, our usefulness. You know, why am I trying to give if nobody would give me a try? I got all these skills and all these gifts, but I just feel useless. I feel worthless because I don't have an opportunity to use them. See, people feel lost like that sometimes, like an expensive coin that's been taken out of circulation. Does that sound familiar? Are you lost? Do you know somebody that may be feeling that way right now? Third story. So there's a second picture. Kids, you know, lighting the house, sweeping the house, valuable coin, wedding ring. Third story, lost child, only not kidnapped, but this child is lost by choice, lost to love on purpose. The younger brother is like done with his dad, done with his home, done with his past. He's full of himself, and so he asks for his share of the estate. Now, here's what we know. Estates are not divided among heirs until the owner dies. So what the younger brother was really saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead and I could have your stuff without your interference. Just get out of my life. The son is a picture of, uh, of how we get disconnected relationally, loveless in life, by our own choices, by our own self-absorbed, self-interested choices. I want what I want when I want it, because I just want it. It's all about me. Now, his big brother is also cut off because of self. He's full of himself. Only his is self-righteousness. And then self-pity, that he feels entitled that his dad should be doing something for him. But they're both full of themselves, one for self-indulgence, the other for self-righteousness. And as a result, they're lost to their father's love. You know, the older brother never left home, but he never came home either. People get lost like that. They're both far from the Father. Sometimes we get disconnected and wind up on dead ends because of our pride, our own choices. And they leave us lonely and empty and alienated and isolated and far from home and far from love. And then we get to experience personally the harsh reality of life of a cold and cruel world where this scripture says no one gave him anything. Lost like a rebellious child. Trapped in their own room where they lock the door from the inside. Where one bad choice leads to another and then to another, and then pretty soon you're just underneath this dog pile of bad choices and, a, and of uh, hurting and of loneliness. Now, the question for today is what? How far is far from God? These are the stories Jesus tells in answer to that question. And there are basically three answers 
I don't know if you've heard any that relates to you. You can be far from God because you've turned your own way and gone astray aimlessly following your own appetites because some hunger or want or need has taken you into a dangerous place. And here's the irony of it. You may not even realize how dangerous it is because just like a sheep, <laughs> you haven't lifted your head up from feeding yet on that appetite, but you're oblivious or in denial of it and, uh, and far from God like a sheep who's far from a shepherd or far from a flock. Or you can be far from God because circumstance has just bullied you and uh, made you feel worthless or overlooked. Maybe somebody brushed you off carelessly as if you have no worth or value. You know, you can be far from God like a jeweled coin. A precious, valuable treasure is far from its setting, far from its design. And as a result, you're out of place. You're, you feel worthless. You feel useless. You, you wonder what the point is. I'm, I'm wondering if that's what people mean, if that's what we mean when we say, you know, I'm just trying to find myself, trying to find my place in the world. Maybe some relational injury brought you pain and, uh, and distanced you, and so you've just chosen to hold on to that pain and that hurt, and it's become resentment and bitterness that's a little bit farther away, and it's about to become hatred and depression, but it's going to leave you isolated and alienated and lonely, and you're going to wonder, how did I get here? And it's because, as a coin, you can get lost, but you can't help yourself get found. And then you can be far from God like a belligerent, rebellious child that just distances herself from her parent or himself from his father. You know, it's like some people are far from God because they have chosen to treat God as if he were dead. And frankly, they wish he were dead and would stop messing with them. Just leave me alone and let me do my own thing in my life. There was a time in my life where I was so full of myself. I mean, so full of myself. The irony was that I felt empty and lonely. Full of myself, but felt empty. How does that work? And so I'm trying to fill it up with accomplishments and with parties and drugs and rock and roll and, you know, whatever can fill the emptiness only to find myself far from peace, far from satisfied, and far from God. Jesus says this is how people get lost. This is what far from God looks like. Useless, loveless, hopeless. You can be far from God like a sheep, like a coin, like a rebellious child. But the bottom line is, what does far from God look like? Aimless, useless, loveless, hopeless. I saw an article in the American Journal of Public uh, Health last week that was speaking about trends in this country right now and they, how they were being called deaths of despair. I was in despair. So how shocked was I when, though far from God, God shows up coming close to me. This is the wonder of the gospel. Luke chapter 15 verse 2 says, this man welcomes Sinners, Jesus 
the one who's telling the stories. And he eats with them. I discovered John 3.17 is true. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So if you've ever thought that you, you know, if you've ever thought, I'm just, I'm far, I'm too far from God. Come on, Bill. You know, I'm too far gone. I'm too far God to come home to his love. You know, I got myself into this mess. Too far gone. You're not. Actually, the fact that you're even having that thought is a good indicator. (laughs) That you're not so far away that you're not imagining what it could be like. Because God is imagining it and wanting that togetherness to be restored. So what can you do? If any of these pictures sounds familiar, and if you could be far from God, what can you do if you're far from God? Let me offer three next steps, perhaps, for you. Number one, let yourself feel it. Don't bury it. Don't don't hide it. Don't pretend it's not there. Let yourself feel it. Some of us prefer to go numb instead of deal with our feelings, but this is the first one. Let yourself feel it. Maybe you were feeling something in the stories that were told today. Lean in there. Next, you know what you can do? You can let yourself want it. It's not that you have power to change yourself. That's not what I'm talking about here. It's you can have, you can have the power to want the change. The appetite can be turned a different direction. You can let yourself want a different outcome. You can let yourself want a different experience. What has that got to do with it? Well, sometimes we don't want it. Sometimes we think we've already got what we want, and it's not going to get any better than this. And you know what? The shadows are gathering there, and you don't even know what you don't know. And Jesus, the shepherd, is saying, oh my, (laughs) have I got something for you that is so far greater than that shiny thing you're holding on to. Or we think we got to do it ourselves. Can I tell you something? Learn from me. Let God do the work. And let him be the one who saves you. Here's the third thing. Let yourself be found. More about that next week. But for today, when, when you turn to God with an, opus, an honest and open heart, seeking God's blessing and presence, you know what? God finds you. This is how Jesus said it, John 6, 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never turn away. I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. There's a picture. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that means if you have heard his voice, if you have sensed a knock, if you've received a pull, a tug, Then he says, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will eat together. You know, that's what they said about Jesus when he was telling these stories. He welcomes sinners. Thank God he still welcomes sinners like me. And he eats with them. He wants to bring us to table together. Would you pray with me? What is God saying to you? Have you been far away and it's time to enter in? It's time to gather in again. Have you felt aimless? Have you felt useless? 
Have you felt helpless? Like your appetites keep driving you places that you shouldn't go. Like you've been doing your very best and then all of a sudden you've just been taken offline as if you're invisible, like you don't matter. Or have you just shaken your fist in the face of God and said, get out of my life. I'm done with you. Those are stories Jesus told to say, I know what that's like and I'm here for you. I'm not going to let that keep you from me if you will lean my direction. Would you lean his direction right now? The scripture promises as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us right now to you, right where you are. Lord Jesus, I welcome you. Make yourself known to me. Help me feel. Help me want. Help me experience the more that you have for me in the Father's house. And perhaps, friend, you've joined us online or this is your first time with us. We're so glad that you're here. But what Jesus has to offer you is so much more than us. He offers himself in relationship, and I would invite you to welcome him in this prayer. Jesus, thank you for these stories that you told. Thank you that you care about me and you know how vulnerable life can be, how how vulnerable I am in an at-risk life like mine and that you have come to me today. I hear your voice. I open the door and I welcome you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit and lead me as I make my prayer in your name. Amen.